G'day everyone, welcome back to the Talking Leadership Podcast. Thank you for joining me. Today's guest began her career at 19 and for the following 10 years, she worked as a management consultant helping companies from the $200,000 mark to the $130 million mark turnover, get the most out of their businesses. At the age of 23, she was a head consultant for a small boutique firm in Sydney. Her work has allowed her to clearly see and to build incredible companies that are successful in achieving their goals. And she relies on three key things, hiring reliable, overachieving employees, designing and organizing a team and its workflow, and finally, leveraging and retaining staff through great management. She now runs her own company, Talent X, a unique and revolutionary recruitment agency. Can I welcome to the podcast, Marty Jones? How are you, mate? Hi, Eric. Thanks for having me, mate. Thank you for being here. So, we're talking leadership, obviously. So before we get into the questions proper, just for the for the listeners, give us a, a bit of a history as to how you got into a leadership role and starting your own business. What was your leadership journey? Well, I started I started my career when I was 19, as you mentioned before. I got a traineeship in a business consultancy firm and I started, you know, cleaning dishes and preparing materials and getting the workshop ready for clients. And luckily what we were teaching in this consultancy firm was a curriculum. So I didn't need what a lot of other consultants need, which is a full experience of running a business. I just needed to know that curriculum and how to apply it to different industries, which does require experience. But my point being that I could learn it at such a young age. And so I learned this curriculum over time. I actually got my first client when I was 19 and I ended up really taking to the curriculum really well. I was a natural with it. Clients really enjoyed the way that I was delivering that curriculum. And then a couple of years later, I was kind of thrust into a bit of a leadership role. I mean, leadership is a tricky one because when I say, when you hear leadership, I'm like, do you mean management? Because they could be two different things, you know? So I get it. Management and leadership, I find are a bit different. I find a lot of the time founders are leaders and managers are managers. Do you know what I mean? They're slightly different. But anyway, I was kind of thrown into this semi-management role. And I was actually then at that point helping to develop that curriculum. So all the stuff started coming to me. I had I had um, staff that were, I was the youngest person in the company, actually. I was starting to get given the, the toughest clients. And it's interesting because also I was required to be a leader with my clients. So I started to get the toughest clients and they would then look to me for direction and advice and and, um, and assistance. And so my journey to leadership initially was kind of thrust into it a little bit unwillingly, but then kind of hit this, I'll be honest with you, a bit of an egotistical phase <laughs> where because I had, you know, the toughest clients or the biggest clients or people started coming to me, I started to get a bit of a big head. And I was like, well, I'm the leader now. And, you know, kind of, I think took advantage of that at some points as well. So I consulted for a few years, um, and then basically went out on my own after that company tried, decided to change direction. So they decided to teach a different curriculum. And I took that as an opportunity to go and have a life because that I had been at that point working for seven years and hadn't had a, hadn't had a boyfriend, hadn't, you know, have worked from 7am to 10pm every day. And so I didn't have a life. So I was like, right, I'm going to take this opportunity. I'm going to go and travel the States. So I went with a mate in a van and we drove around the Southern States of the US and Long story short, missed missed consulting very much, slowly crept into my life and decided to open Talent X where we offered both consulting work and hiring or recruitment as well. And here we are. Wow, that's uh, that's an incredible pathway. I guess one one question to ask and something to clarify, and thank you for bringing this up actually, is I've dropped the discussion around the difference between leadership and management. And it's interesting that you bring it back up because the, the leadership is about people 
in essence for me and management is about processes and outcomes and and the management side of things not the leading people side of things so important distinction to have there and obviously in your travels you've encountered leaders and you've been around the place and you said um you got to a point where maybe you were um not overestimating your skills, but you you were at the top of your game, I guess. I was overestimating. I was overestimating my skills. Oh, okay. I, 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 was, I didn't want to say that. You said that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. That's accurate. <laughs> Look, to be honest, I think we all do that to one degree or the other. So you're not alone there. And I, I think a bit of um, backing yourself is a is a healthy thing. My question to you, after all of that experience and meeting the people that you've met, define leadership for me. Yeah, so look, I've worked with hundreds of companies, thousands of staff, and I would summarize, there's two sides of leadership. There's a soft side and a hard side. This is the way I look at it. Overall, I would summarize it to be the ability to give and enforce orders. So if I tell you to do something or I make sure that gets done. So that is really, when you think about a leader, it's like if you and I um, had a group of people who were out in the jungle and suddenly we got lost, someone would have to take charge. That person would then go, right, Eric, you go get water, money, you go do blah. And they would give orders and become the leader and we would follow this person. Now, of course, you want those orders to be towards something that's good, something that people agree with, something that people want to do. And that's what makes I feel a great leader. So that's what I would say is leadership is the ability to give and enforce orders. Bit of a different definition because it's not the soft, it's not a soft definition. It's quite a rough definition. And, and there's no right or wrong here. I, I think the, there's room in the discussion on this topic for different Absolutely. views of leadership. And I, I myself don't personally subscribe to hard and soft elements of leadership. For me, dealing with human beings is probably the hardest thing you're ever going to do. It's To me, it's not a soft skill, but I get why you use the term. It, it, I, I think it's often used in HR, speak quite a long, quite often that there are the hard skills and the soft skills. And it's the ironic bit is dealing with uh, the minutiae of issues that uh, human beings can bring up when you're in a leadership role. There's nothing easy about some of the crap Absolutely. that you have to deal with. And given the kinds of businesses that you deal with, in, before we got into the podcast, you said businesses with 15 to a couple of hundred employees, that, that that's the scope of the businesses that you've worked with, yes? Yeah, so the, the biggest company I work with in terms of turnover was 130 mil, and then inside it was 150 staff. That's that's yeah. quite that's quite a big organization. We're not talking small there, and that that's a, not an insignificant turnover number either. This this segues nicely into the the, the next area, and I didn't coin the phrase uh, the lonely road of leadership. So leaders have to make decisions. Leaders are often there's a demand as part of the role of leadership to take decisions. Is leadership a lonely road or as lonely as you make it? I would say it is very lonely. Depends if you're, because this is a thing, being a business owner and being a leader are not necessarily the same thing. You can be a leader in someone else's company. So that's why I find the topic of leadership a bit challenging at times because I'm like, well, it really depends. I think as a business owner, I find it very lonely. Um, I think if you have a management team and you're all leaders working together and it's not your business, potentially not as lonely. But I do feel part of leadership is continuing beyond the challenges that get faced and overcoming them, which I know is very flowery and said a lot. But even just before um, jumping on this podcast, I was talking to a friend and I was like, isn't it funny how we agree or we set up these companies, we set up these roles or we agree to do certain things. And because of the commitment we've agreed to, we pigeonhole ourselves into responsibility. Because I said to her, I was like, how many times would we have given up 
and been like, screw this, I'm not paying these wages this week and screw this, I'm not doing that. But we can't because we're stuck because we signed a lease, we've got employees, we have to pay that rent anyway. So then it forces us to overcome. So you know you have people like, you've got to find it within yourself to overcome these challenges. I'm like, no, you have to set up yourself in a way that you cannot do anything but overcome the challenges because otherwise I feel like if we don't put those things in place, those, those um, uh, obligations, there even though I feel like I'm quite you know I'm quite I feel I'm I achieve I tend to achieve quite a lot in comparison to what my goals are but my point being I think the the loneliness of it is because we pigeonhole ourselves into responsibility and I think that's a good thing and a challenging thing I haven't heard it put that way but that that makes some sense to me because at the end of the day as a leader you have obligations and you can't not meet them particularly if you take on staff and I, I understand what you're saying that um, once you set up that the ecosystems to drive your business forward, then yeah, you're signing up for some stuff that um, that you can't walk away from unless you're prepared to make money and make other people's lives difficult that you've taken on as employees. Marnie, measuring success. So you, you've obviously started your business. There's going to be good days and bad days, but from your your perspective as as a as the business founder, the owner. What does measuring success look like for you? For me, it's when clients are happy and it's when I have enough profit coming in that it's all worth it. They're the two things that I suppose staff are part of it too, I should say. that. What a terrible leader of me, Eric, to not even mention my staff. No, but my staff are happy. I guess that's why. Clients, I think, that's the whole reason you're doing it, right? It's like, even if you're making money, I mean, I feel terrible about myself if my clients didn't like what we did. So making sure I feel like giving them something that is above standard in our industry. And we do really make a difference in our clients' companies. And that makes me feel very good about myself. I'm a very selfish person, Eric. I don't do anything unless I want to do it. I don't do anything unless I feel good about it. I help people because it makes me feel good. I know that sounds really like backwards, but it's true. I feel terrible if I don't help anyone. So I would say clients, client, you know, feedback or client, um, client's opinion of you and then how much profit it's bringing me because that's when I know I'm, do- I'm going through a rough time because I'm like, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. If I was making money right now, would I care about this as much? Like make how much profit you're making, how much money you're making as a business owner, not necessarily as a leader, I feel will determine how, how much of a problem something really is. That's an interesting distinction and it's one I haven't, has been put to me a lot, but what has been put to me quite significantly in my discussions with other leaders, and and I think this drives you, and correct me if I've got this wrong, is you have a set of values that you work to and something drives you and that's important to you in the business. And that that varies from person to person. It's, It's always a, I think it's a uniquely not unique to leaders, but what drives you is what will drive your success or not. And it sounds like getting value for your customer, but getting paid as a result of that is why you're in business. Otherwise you wouldn't be in a for profit mode and you'd be you'd be working in a for profit or volunteering. So okay, now I, I get that. Leader capabilities, Marnie. So again, this is from from your perspective and I'm not after a list, but what do you see are those key capabilities in a leader that you think are essential for effective leadership? So I feel one thing is to not project your own emotion and reaction on other people. So that's one of the key differences between I've observed between good managers and leaders over my experience and and not is I'll sit in a room and we'll be in a strategy session, let's just say, and you've got the leader sitting there and, you know, they might throw around their emotion or a reaction on other people or confusion. And I find that that's a trait of staff 
not a trait of a leader. So a leader has no place or no right, in my opinion, to do that. And that comes with the job. And that's also part of what makes it so hard is because if you don't have this, I guess this loops into the loneliness of leadership. If you don't have some kind of outlet or some person you can do that with, it kind of, it kind of it becomes a bit harder because there are certain things that we can never put on our staff. Is there a set of capabilities that you think have been exposed as not as developed as they could be in the leaders that, you've, that you're seeing? That's a good question. I would say removing any um, fixed ideas that you have. I think what COVID has done is it's, it's really thrown us into this world where we have to readdress and re- reassess everything that, that we are doing and how we're doing it. So the leaders that evolve from that, I find are, are willing to look at their own ideas and go, okay, am I willing to change this? Like, for example, having to work from home, I'm just going to use that because it's just, I get asked that like probably three times a week. And other leaders are like, you know what? I don't mind as long as the role's done. I'm going to just adjust these things. I'm going to make this really known. I'm going to organize that role. I'm going to put in key KPIs. You want to work from home? I don't care. I don't give a shit. Go for it. So whether that's good or bad, I think only time will tell. Over time, we'll see how 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 valuable it is. But I think, I guess it's agility and, and adaptation, pivoting or whatever you want to call it. But it is the ability to step back and look at your own ideas and go, are these fixed? And should I should I look at them and should I move them? flexibility in leadership I think is coming out quite a bit and I'm, I'm glad that I'm hearing that uh, consistently because if it wasn't COVID if it was some other shock in the business environment um, the ability to probably pivot's the right word be strategic in your thinking around what that means is I think caught some people out I don't think people were deficient in that thinking is that no one expected what happened to to have happened, and we now have the opportunity to deal with it. And I think your your point is well made. How we'll say something else, Eric, on that. Yep. And this is something that is, I think, so important in business. I will say to contradict myself that good leadership is solidifying what you know works and keeping it there and maintaining it. I see so many businesses change things that do not need to be changed or something's going really well and then they're like I'm going to change that person's job why because they're doing really well then keep them in that job they're doing really well keep them there for god's sake or we go you know with this amazing profit I'm going to change the product because I don't think anyone wants it whatever it is right but if we don't really solidify and hamper down on what we know works based on data and results not not opinion and or emotion but based on actual data I find innovation and agility and all these things actually destabilize a company in a very negative way. So I think if you're looking to be agile and you're looking to evolve, you have to first hamper down what you know absolutely works that you never want to change because that's what makes your business a good business and then evolve all the extra ancillary things on the side. Again, not having run some of these businesses that you're talking about, playing to your strengths is important. I guess playing to your strengths with being agile are not necessarily mutually exclusive. So if you can do both, then why not do both? Yeah, no, point well made. All right, Marnie, the nature versus nurture question. Are leaders born or are they made? Of course they're they're made. (laughs) No, I think some are born. I think think if you have a good bossy trait, I'm a little bit bossy. So I obviously naturally kind of evolved to that kind of person. But I think we have natural personality traits that we have as children or that we grow up with that that is that are valuable to leadership but I think leadership can absolutely be taught and I think it can be created as long as there's a willingness there to improve and and to and to uh, want to work on that. Let me ask this as a leader yourself do you believe in being self-reflective and seeking feedback on your leadership? 
no, I'm always right. And uh, <laughs> if you doubt me, <laughs> no, I do, but reluctantly, I have to admit, that's one thing if, if my partner ever listens to this, he'll laugh. I don't like being wrong very much. That's why I seek to, that's why I never say anything I'm not entirely sure of. And I'll, I'll you know, I'll put little caveats in there just in case I made the wrong decision. But I think I don't like, I don't like criticism very well, but I do seek it because I can't help it. And I do ask for it. So I think it is important. Yes. Do I like it? No, I don't like it. <laughs> well, you're being, you're being honest. I think feedback is difficult at the best of times. I, I've often thought in the discussions that I've had to this point and with my uh, professional cohort, my friends, family around this topic area, as much as people want to talk about uh, leadership in, to any degree, that uh, most people will say they're happy to think about what they've done. But when you add the element of what if somebody gave you feedback on something that you did, particularly decision-making, I think the ego is very much something that is uh, is something that people worry about. And I'm chuffed to hear you say that it's difficult because I think that's the truth of it, that most people don't aren't seeking it. But I think if you can get over that hump, being able to take feedback, I think, makes you a more effective leader. That's a personal view. And that's Absolutely. not, that's not to agree. say that you're starting from a low base, mate. I'm just suggesting that uh, we we all need a bit of tough love sometimes, it, and I guess it's the way that it's delivered. So I'm not an advocate for somebody saying, "Oh, you're stuffed up and you're crap at this and you're crap." Like, if you get harsh language at you, your back is going to get up straight away. But if somebody says it with a bit of thinking involved and saying, "I'm saying this to hopefully help you think about what has happened," I think it's all in the delivery and um, that ability that ability to to measure your communications in that way is an art form in itself. And I've seen people do it well. I've seen it uh, done very badly and it can have unintended consequences as well because people put value judgments behind what people say. And that's the thing that I think makes people uncomfortable. If you give somebody harsh, critical, but positive feedback, some people will not take it that way, no matter how well um, phrased it is. Um, it, it, it can have that darker side to it and it's the reality of being human. So I, I appreciate the response. As a leader, even though I don't like it, I have to say, as, as you're talking, I'm like, you know what? I actually seek it all the time. But the way that I do it is if I'm with someone and I can see on their face, I'm with a staff member and I'm asking them to do something or I'm directing them to do something and they, I can see they're in disagreement, I always ask. I don't ignore it. I'm like, hey, just do it. Go away. I'm like, hey, what, what do you, what's that look on your face? And they're like, oh, I'm like, no, come on. What is it? You don't agree? Or I actually ask, like, what is it? You don't, you don't, you don't want to do this. You don't, you don't have time. Come on, tell me. And they're like, no, I just think, well, I'm like, okay, cool. Fair enough. And sometimes like, I just think you, the way you delivered it, even a few weeks ago, I had a staff member who really pushed back on me. She was like, I just feel you're being very unfair. And I feel like, you know, and I was like, okay, well, if you're very gentle and casual, but, but you can be honest still, you can have that type of dialogue. So I would reply and be like, look, I really don't feel I am. I feel this is your job. And I feel, you know, we have this back and forth. And she's like, well, I feel like just the way you're doing it is just really making me feel awful. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry. I don't want to do that. So even though I say that, if you if you are soft but but honest in your approach with that, you will always get feedback and it won't be received as hard because you, you request it and you're seeking it as well, I find. Yeah, it's often, often difficult when, again, when you're giving feedback to another human being, there's always that that to be uh, mindful of. And it's why I think some people gravitate to leadership because they want to take those kind of discussions and have a hard discussion as part of what they do and why others run a mile and don't ever want to have that kind of responsibility because it's, it's 
there's difficult conversations to be had. I'm not talking about small things. I'm talking about when you might need to make a critical decision. Marty, before I go, and I appreciate your time on this, you're dealing with leaders on a regular basis. You're dealing with organizations. What do you see in the coming, say, 12 months, two years around the leadership topic that you think is coming out of potentially the field that people aren't paying attention to that you are paying more attention to? I would say a lot of leaders are going to find it challenging to settle in on what works with teams because we've been thrown so many hurdles and requests from candidates when we're hiring them and I want to work these hours, I want this flexibility, I want to work from home or I want this pay. And because we're forced into these types of decisions, I think leaders are going to have to really make time to reassess what those decisions mean and what effect that's had on their business. Because if they don't do that and they don't step back and have a look at what really works based on data and um, facts, not, not opinion or emotion, I think that it might end up biting them. So I think leaders should be looking at, from a data perspective, the cost and the return of all of these staff decisions because they do have a cost and they do have a return. And I think it's very easy to lose sight of that when everyone is going into agreement that we must do these things to get candidates or we must open up workplace, uh, work from home, and we must be accommodating to these requests. So I feel like that's something that will catch a lot of people off guard if they're not aware of it and if they don't mentally prepare for that. A valuable insight, my friend. So before we end the podcast, uh, talk to me about TalentX. So TalentX is a hybrid of recruitment and consultancy. Uh, it's what I've coined a people agency. So we do standard recruitment, which is run by um, one half of my business. And then the other half, we do consulting where we help organize and structure companies. We help then blueprint the best way to actually run their business and build a structure and infrastructure that gets them out of the day-to-day, gets the owners out of the day-to-day and allows them to expand and grow without all the growing pains that come with it. And alongside that, we have management training as well. So we tend to work with clients for 12 to 18 months typically. So we're very picky with our clients. We love our clients very much, but we, we really um, are there for the, for the success of teams, which is why we call it a people agency. Oh, brilliant. Okay. So Marnie, I'll, in the podcast description, I'll put a link to Talent X and I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile. So thank you for your time, mate. Thank you, Eric. For those listening, this has been Talking Leadership. Thank you for joining me again and we'll catch everyone on the next podcast.